blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back. Maybe I am a monster. I don't think I'd know if I were one. And not what you are. And not what you intended. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me again this week is co-host Dean. And oh boy, Dean. Oh boy. We got one in store for the listeners this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about I mean, I'm always so excited about everything. I feel like that's how I start everything off. I'm so excited. But uh, love comic books. Love this comic book. Love this comic writer. Love this comic artist. It's great. Yes, correct. Correct. Uh, Okay. Question number two. Yeah. (laughs) Listeners, hello. Hello to to all you out there. Uh, Thank you for joining. We we appreciate you spending the next um, hour and some amount of minutes with us. I think this is a three-hour one, Tim. Well, I know, I know. This could easily be a three-hour one. I have left so much out. Um, oh yeah. Of our that like our conversation, there's gonna be so much missing from this book, but it's it's not possible. Here's the thing, Dean. Here's the thing. This uh, well, let's tell everybody what we're doing. Um, we're doing Vision, the comic Vision from 2015. Okay, it was a 12-issue run. So when you have 12 issues to talk about, that's a lot yeah. of stuff. That's a lot of content. You can't possibly get everything in there. Just to put a bit of perspective on it, we did Bad Weekend, which was two issues. Yeah. And we ran for like, I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes or something. Like I thought that one was going to be half the time it was because it was only two issues. But we could probably talk for, I don't know, I could do six six episodes on this. I could do, you know, I could do an episode on every issue. Totally. It's and it and it is that good and it is that deep that it could you could dissect it that much and have that much content. Um, there's it's mm-hmm. just such an amazing book. We're not going to be able to hit on everything, but we're going to try to hit on some of our uh, favorite favorite things. And I mean, if you haven't read it, this is a uh, go pick up and read book. Yeah, I can't stress that enough. If you haven't read this book and you want to read it or you plan yeah. to read it, turn this podcast off right now and go read this book if you don't think you're going to read it or you don't care about spoilers then just settle in and uh, join us join us for this one it's going to be fun but seriously turn this off if you're interested in this book turn it off because i'd rather not spoiler this for you because we are going to leave a bunch of stuff out we're going to hit on like the main points um the important points kind of like the shocker moments and stuff like that so we will we will do this justice but yeah it's it's there's going to be a lot of in between moments that we just can't touch on. So, and this is one of those books that you don't need any other knowledge at all. You just no. if you read this book, you'll have everything you need in this book. Um, there's a, there's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff that is um, laid out for you. So you 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 won't you will not be lost with sort of the um, continuity stuff that's going on. It's just it it no. by its it's, it's a standalone it's standalone all by itself. Now. I might catch um, some some flack or some heat for this, but I am going to say Uh-oh. I would recommend this to somebody who has not read comics and doesn't know how to get into comics. 
hundred percent. I think that's a stretch. I don't think a lot of people would agree with that, but I think, I think this is a recommended book. I think someone could pick this up and as a way to explore the medium of comic books, this is a fascinating entry. So I'm, Tim, I'm saying that I'm saying as, Tim, as I, people would disagree with me because it's a very complicated book, but yeah. I'm telling you, this is, I recommend this for someone who doesn't read comics. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I was thinking about that today because actually, uh, I hadn't read this before I had read an issues here. Yeah. Listen, I had read issues here and there because I was writing for a website at the time. So it was necessary to read some of them. Um, but I wanted to save it as a complete package because I didn't get on it right away. So I wanted to like read everything and waited for it all to come out, waited for this like amazing hardcover. And this is my first full read through. And I was thinking today, this is the book to give to people. I was thinking that exact thing. This is what you hand. You're not going to hand. Don't hand this to a 10 year old who's trying to get into comics. Hand no. this to an adult who's yes. trying to get into comics and this will draw them in. Good point. Yes. Do not hand this to a child. No. That is an excellent point. <laughs> not the comic for a child, but if you're trying to get your adult friend into comics, this is a great one. I'm, I'm shocked, dude. Like I shouldn't be shocked because I know. The, the, the common element in our podcast is you haven't seen the material or read the material yeah i thought because you recommended this one to me i thought i, I read this like i think i did three or four years ago yeah. uh, on your recommendation i thought you recommended it because you had read it but um oh my goodness this this book this second go through because I, I read it before and i kind of forgot I, I knew some of the stuff that was going to happen i forgot a ton of it and my goodness wow did i ever love this on the second go through so so uh good. As I mentioned, a 12-issue run released by Marvel Comics in 2015. This incredible book was written by Tom King. Now, he is an extremely hot writer, and he has been for five or six years now. He worked in comics, and then he left after 9-11, and he spent seven years as a counterterrorism operations officer for the CIA before finally returning to comics. So that's pretty cool. That's so cool. He brings such an interesting take to these superhero books and these characters. It's it's actually really fascinating. He you you hear that and you read his books and you're like, "Whoa, these books, every single book he writes is so deep. It's got such a like uh a message to it. They're so like kind of ominous and even a little bit depressing it's just like you get this weird feeling in the pit of your stomach when you're reading his books if you listen to this guy on a podcast or watch him on a youtube interview he's so nice he's so jolly like it does it doesn't fit with what you have in your mind he is such a he's such a comic book nerd and it's so nice to see that just a like a guy who just wants to have fun wants to talk to the fans you know wants to be you know, just just wants to write comic books can like hit a zone where he just gets into it and can pump out these stories. And uh, you're right. He's very hot writer. Um, the last five years started with this book. Hmm. I think this this is where he gets hot. This is the book that gets him Batman. Yeah, uh, he has a very specific writing style. It's very, yep. in, uh, very intelligent. It's a very smart way of writing. Uh, I could definitely see some people not enjoying it. In this book in particular, I think it's fantastic because of the dynamics yeah. he's working with. It's it's great. Now, it re- art Tim, is... I was just going to say, it reminds me of Christopher Nolan. Like, for me, Christopher Nolan movies, I like that he makes me think. Um, 
there's certain movies that he has where I like to stop and pause and really think about what's going on. And I feel very similar when I'm reading a Tom King book. It's like, I have to stop and I have to think about what I just read. And that's not really for everybody. Um, but f like, I love doing that. I love to really like think about the things that I'm reading and think about the what's happening in this story. So yeah, he's a very intelligent writer. Yeah, that is, that's a pretty good comparison uh, because I'm... <sighs> Nolan is hit or miss for me. I like some of his stuff a lot and I don't like some of his other stuff a lot. I would say the same for me with Tom King. I like some okay. of his stuff a lot and I don't like some of his other stuff a lot. So that, that's, that's a fair point. So that, yeah, that makes sense. Now art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta and colors by Jordi Belair. Now, dude, I've just been fascinated with this Jordi Belair ever since I picked up this book this second time around. She's the colorist, and my goodness, what a fantastic job she did. But yeah, she's, she, she's uh, the best. She is she is definitely one of the best. She was nominated for an Eisner, Dean, for the best cover art, along with Sean Murphy on The Wake. Perfect. Awesome. A book we love. We did an episode on yep. that. Yep. And she's also done a bunch of other stuff we love. So the new Moon Knight stuff she's mm -hmm. worked on. She worked on the new Hawkeye stuff which we love. She worked on the Manhattan project. She's yeah. done all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, she inspired comic book colorist appreciation day on January 24th. Her work in this book is incredible. We talk about colors a fair amount on this podcast. Um, I think the colors are more important than the illustrations. Colors can, I think colors can connect emotionally more yeah. with you than just uh, black lines can. So there's more feeling, and, there's more heart, there's more soul to it. That's the, that's the soul of, of, of the book. That and the writing, for sure. The writing yeah. writing is the most important, for, for sure. But yeah, the colors. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you, man. And, and especially in this book, I think there are key moments in this book that don't hit as hard without the great colors. Like without a great colorist on the book, they're not going to hit as hard. Okay, let's, let's get into this. Let's do it. Once upon a time... Mm. Yeah, this no, this story starts. could start like that. <laughs> that's not how it starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, okay. What's actually going on here is Vision has moved to the suburbs of Washington, D.C. and yeah. created a family for himself. Yeah. He created his wife, Virginia, his daughter, Viv, his son, Vin. And he wants to explore what it is to be human. And we see their house has some really cool stuff in it. He's got a piano from the Black Panther made of vibranium mm -hmm. he's got an old lighter from captain america from like 1943 he's got something called the flying water vase of zen la from the silver surfer and something called the Everbloom of mount wondagore and this is a magical plant that was given to him from the scarlet witch we pick up really early on that the book has quite a bit of narration going on mm. But the narration seems to be recounting these events. Right. It's not like a current narration. It's like um, a lot of it is in like the they're talking about what's happened in the past tense. So it's kind of interesting. And you don't really know who's talking. No. And also telling us how things are going to turn out. So it does really feel like a um, retelling of this tale, you know, from, from the beginning. Um, and... Like right away, I'm I'm hooked. I'm just right. I love stories 
about androids and how they are trying to be human or want to be human or what, like everything that that entails. Because in investigating that, in really digging into why would a robot be human or what makes a robot human or what makes us human, we we look at ourselves and we look at, okay, yeah, what what is it that separates me from that robot and what would make me say that that robot's living the the human life and and I'm living the human life? Like, what, what's going to get us on the same level? So I, I love a story like this right away. And we are thrown into the suburbs. Vision wants a happy life. That's what we are told right away. He just wants to be a human and have a happy life. And he's moving to the suburbs. And like, right away i'm like okay yeah this is this is the happy life this is what you want right this you want to have the family you want to live in the suburbs good neighborhood you want to be kind to your neighbors i'm already seeing the mirror of me in this vision family i'm already like okay yeah this is like this is going to be a, more about humanity than it is going to be about androids but we're also going to get that cool dynamic of androids trying to fit into a community right so it's it's not vision you know, in his superhero costume, his family mm-hmm. doesn't look like superheroes. They look like a normal family. Like he's wearing a sweater vest. Uh, yeah. He's yeah. Got, often got a tie on. Like he's he's well dressed. Um, you know, they look like a family. Yeah. They uh, just, man, the way that they're drawn is so excellent. Like, yeah. Other than vision, the the kids and the mother, their eyes are wide open white. Wide open white circles, which I yeah. just, I really... Thought it was really cool. It's just when you see these people's these people. I'm already calling them people. Yeah. When you see this family's um, the expressions on their face, something about the eyes being wide open. It's, it just makes me think they're absorbing every piece of information that's coming in. They're so attentive and so alert. Um, I really it's also like the haunting. way they look. Yeah, it's also like I didn't find it haunting. I didn't. I, didn't I did find because it, it seems it seems hollow to me. So it's like well, I got the opposite like, effect of that. Okay. For me it was like staring at what like what are you staring at? You're staring at a mask. Like it's it, it was it was hard for me to mm. look directly. It would be hard for me to look directly in their eyes if I actually came to talk to them. Um so before we move on from just like right at the beginning of the book, um I just wanted to say that I I also love the first interaction between them and neighbors. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, I like when the neighbors come up, it's like they haven't even met them yet. We haven't even seen the family yet. And the neighbors are already bickering outside their door that they don't really want to do this. They don't want to bring the cookies like that. Do we even have to be friends with them? They are already don't want to do it. And we know vision on the other side of the door is just going to be pretending to be human is going to try to fit in and and feel what it's like to live as a human so we know that the android or synthesoid that they call them um on the other side of the door is going to be faking and we already know that the humans on the other side of the door are also going to be faking because they don't want to be there so we're going to have this social interaction between neighbors where both don't really want it to happen but both are just doing it because that's what you do. You're nice to your neighbors. You bring them cookies, even if you they don't eat them. And even if they don't want them, they're going to accept them. They're, when you leave, they're going to throw them in the garbage. And that's going to be that. Like, I I just find this interaction right at the beginning of the book. I'm, I'm already on board with these themes and how it's like how you're putting it on to fit in. Interesting. Um, I already have a, a very different take on this than you do, because mm. I don't agree with any of that. Um, Interesting. I, I, I do. I mean, I do agree with the fact that, yes, they don't eat cookies and stuff like that, but I do not think Vision is faking anything. 
I think what's going on here, I don't, I don't think he's, well, I think what he's doing is he's, he's doing a social experiment. And these are all things I get into in, later on in the notes. I don't really know if I want to get into all this stuff right now, because it's, it's going to, yeah, yeah. um, I, maybe I'll just leave it that I'm, I'm not on the same page with the themes of this book so far that you are. Maybe we can okay. just leave it at that. Early on, we see that they're trying to be a normal family. The kids go to school, right? That's a fairly normal thing. Vision goes to work. Uh, Virginia is like the, the homemaker. She tends to the house. Because of those things, we're seeing a lot of human qualities in these synthesoids. And I feel like the whole idea of trying to be human, like pretending to be human, is actually a very human quality, right? So just because we're born human, that doesn't mean that you know how to be a human. Mm-hmm. We're born requiring inputs and feedback to learn. That's the same as the Vision family here for me. Three of them have just been born and they know nothing of humanity and they're experiencing things in order to learn. Right. And he has sort of a bit more knowledge than them about how humans interact. So he's sort of coaching them along in certain situations about like, this is how to fit in. This is how to be normal. And they have really interesting conversations because they're still androids talking to each other. So it's kind of funny to uh, hear like the entire family talk at a dinner table about um, just things, regular things that happen during a day uh, and and hear like, like, what would a computer say? How would a computer break that down? And often it's like, I know these things don't make sense, but this is what we do because we're trying to be human. Exactly. They're trying to be human. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it is very interesting to see. It's 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 weird seeing these, these synthesoids yeah. sitting at the table having these discussions, um, but I don't think it's faked. I don't think it's, it doesn't feel faked or forced to me. At the same time that they're they're doing these human things, they're struggling with these human qualities. So Vision doesn't actually know if he loves his wife. He's having internal monologue about having trouble. Uh, he doesn't know if he loves her. Um, the wife is having trouble feeling accepted by him. She feels like anytime he makes a comment towards her, she's failing. And she actually cries mm-hmm. really early on in this book mm-hmm. about something very small. But you can tell that she feels like neglected. Uh, the kids are trying to fit in at a new school. So everything go- everything is going pretty well, okay, until Vision goes off to the Avenger Tower to run some personal diagnostics on his system. And we cut back to the house, and we see a giant blade come right through the kitchen wall and stab daughter Vin right through the chest. Right. What? What? Yeah. Uh, this is like a what moment? What? Yeah, this is this is the first issue, like <laughs> right through her chest, still in the first issue. So we're we're being we're being set up to feel like we're going to get this. I thought a whole lot of normalness to this, uh, yeah, like this family. And like you said, issue one, the daughter gets like utterly destroyed with this giant um, sword through her chest. So I felt really bad for her in this moment. I I don't know if it was the art, like the, the this page, dude, like the look on her face, the damaged parts coming out of her yeah. body, the fact of how innocent she is. She was like, if you think about it, she was really just born. She doesn't even know this world. And someone's trying to destroy her is, I felt like I legitimately had a, a reaction to this. I was like, oh man, that's rough. Issue one, you know? Totally, man. And it, it, it even comes down to her sort of repeating mother. Like she's stuck in a pattern of after she gets stabbed of just saying like mother, 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 mother. And like 
Virginia's there and is basically, you know, she's like, I'm here. Like, you don't have to keep calling me. I am like, I'm, I'm with you. It's like, what? but you're, she's calling out, you know, she's stuck in a loop because she's, you know, this android, but it really hits home with like, yeah, when you're in such pain and you're, you're, you know, feeling, um, you, whatever it is that, that, that hit to you, um, you want to call out for those close to you. And it was really, really, yeah, uh, just effective. That helps you understand their pain when they're calling totally. out mother. Cause I mean, yeah. who hasn't, who hasn't fallen down, scraped their knee and gone running back to mom for comfort, right? Like exactly. it, it happens to all of us. So she's in pain. She's young. You know, I, the kids are like 16 years old. They're supposed yeah. to be like 16 years old in this book, but I, I keep wanting to get back to the point that they were just recently born. So they don't know anything, you know, they don't know, they don't know much. So she gets hurt. She wants her mother. It's uh yeah, it's like, it's, it's a, it's, um, it's like a genetic response almost that people have. Yeah. It's just when you mm -hmm. fall down, you get hurt, you cry. Right. And then you want to be comforted by your parents. So, yeah. Now the blade was the sword of the supervillain, the grim reaper. Mm -hmm. He is very mad, Dean. He's calling them imposters, which I find a little bit hypocritical coming from a guy who's claiming to be the living <laughs> personification of death. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why it's hilarious. Yeah. I don't know, man. Come on. <laughs> um, he's very angry, though. He's claiming their brainwave patterns are mm -hmm. stolen goods and a small battle ensues. But Mother is able to smash the head of the Grim Reaper, killing him. Yep. This is why you can't give this book to kids. Oh, yeah. It's totally. pretty much summed up in issue one. Yeah. But after the battle, it looks like a bomb went off in the house. Yeah. Right? Obviously, because there's a big superhero fight. All Mother can say is, don't tell your father, which mm -hmm. I thought was very funny. Because it's yep. like, well, first of all, your house has been destroyed. Like, guess what's going to happen when father comes home? He's going to notice that a bomb went off in his kitchen. So yeah. I just thought, I thought that was funny. But we get a very cool art shift here as Virginia is recounting the story to Vision. Uh, it's all magenta and yellow. It's a very vibrant, very, vi it's like the page is buzzing. Those colors, yeah. those colors make a page buzz. And it's very uneasy on the eyes. Now, I've, I've mentioned this before in one of our Deadly Class episodes, but Whenever a comic uses a lot of yellow on a page, it's very unsettling and hard to, uh, it's hard to look at. It's like, it's not, it's not a favorite color of, of what people want to see. So yeah. Virginia recounts the fight that happened, but changes the outcome to say that the Reaper actually escaped. For me, that's a, that's a real moment of humanity here for her. She has like instituted self-preservation. By, well, by making this story up. Yes, and um, tells a lie with a lot of truth sprinkled in there. So yes. it's very hard to decipher that it would be a lie because everything sort of lines up for Vision who wasn't there. Um, it's right. very, yeah, it, it's it's very cool that she is, um, that she makes this choice. She makes this lying choice because I think we open this book and we're just like, okay, these robots, they don't lie. But that is definitely not the case. Like, I think, I think maybe I didn't really mean that they're, um, everything's fake. I think I, I kind of meant that they're, they're trying to blend in their, their like number one goal is like fit in with the community. So they're doing all the things that they th think are necessary to fit in. And in this moment, 
her lying to her husband about this is what will make her fit in. Uh, we get more human moments as um, Vin is at school and he's trying to, like, he's struggling, obviously, with what just happened to his sister, right? Um, so he acts out at school. He ends up choking another kid mm-hmm. um, just out of frustration. And Vision has to have a meeting with the principal and Vision explains to the principal that, hey, Vision has saved the earth 37 times. So the principal owes him for that, right? I love you can't, it. Yeah. You can't suspend my kid for choking a guy like I saved the earth 37 times. So he's like, you're breathing because of me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think you can let us off the hook on this one. <laughs> yeah. And and the principal does. I think. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, uh, good point. <laughs> yeah. He opens up his drawer and he's like, that didn't quite go as I had planned. And he like takes a drink out of his flask. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> it's great. Now. They introduced to us Agatha Harkness in a really weird scene. Yeah. Now, do you want to talk at all about this scene? Because I don't have a lot in my notes about it, but it's a very interesting scene. And if you wanted to touch on it, I think that would be fine. I'll touch on it a bit. This is the uh, the, the plant scene, right? With the flower? This is the plant scene with the flower and, yeah, her cat, Ebony. Yeah, so... Um... It's a really beautifully told section, um, but I'll just kind of give you the idea of what happens. Um, but there's this this plant that is in the Vision's home. Um, it, it has flowers that it, there's a rumor that if you eat the petals of the flowers, then you can see the future. Um, but what this sort of section tells us is that that's not exactly true. There is a, a there's two-step process to eating this flower. Um, one is after hunger, the flower has to, or the flower has to be consumed because of hunger. And then the flower has to be consumed after murder. So what happens is this cat, her cat, um, Agnes's cat eats the flower, the petal, and then she kills the cat so she can rip open its stomach and eat the eat its stomach because that would be consuming the flower after murder and now because she has done that she has the ability to see the future very neat section um i think it's uh, a really really cool just how it plays out and how it's sort of um beautifully told even though it's i mean it's a tough section where an animal is getting killed but uh really neat that it this consumed after hunger then consumed after murder even just saying it like that is so poetic um a really mm-hmm. really cool section yeah yeah it was it was really neat yeah but now this now now agnes is able to see agatha. the future oh sorry agatha. sorry agatha yes. sorry um according to according to the rumor or whatever yeah. yeah she should be able to see the future now yeah she should be able to see what is to come and this whole book this whole time has been prophesizing on things to come and it, how bad they're going to be so now we can we can know that okay she's probably going to see this she's going to see this badness that is being foretold mm-hmm. it was also the way they were describing her eating the the stomach it was like it wasn't just the visual of oh, yeah. like you can imagine visually what it looks like as this woman is eating the stomach of a a cat who transformed yeah. into like a black panther which is yeah her cats that cat ebony has the ability to do that so i thought it was like a hallucination but that that cat is like magical as she is now agatha harkness we should say, um, she was a mentor of Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Uh, she's been around 
apparently for she was around in 10 the line is 500 years before like the first recorded event of history she had been around 500 years before that or something so they say like 10,000 bc or something was when she was around she's still around she's like this grand witch um whatever there's a a whole bunch of backstory there but yeah and she is like a real witch like scarlet witch is a mutant who has like mutant powers but this is like a witch um and she was yeah the mentor to scarlet witch now luckily after more than three weeks of work vision is able to fix viv and reunite her with the family so that's great that was a nice moment that was a nice moment yeah virginia receives a package in the mail it's a cell phone with a video of her burying the Grim Reaper in the yard. Shit. So that's not good. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. Shit, man. This this book just <laughs> turned into like a thriller. Like this is like, oh no, you know, housewife kills someone trying to hide it from husband, but someone has yeah. a video and they send it to her. This is, I'm just like, great. This is a thriller, but it's through the eyes of these synthesoids. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So v- Virginia needs to meet with the person who sent the phone. So she calls up Vision and lies about the reason that she needs to be away, but asks if he can come home early to stay with the kids. Now, this is such a great part because she calls him at his job, but his job is defending the earth. So he picks up the call as he, as him and the Avengers are fighting Giganto. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, okay. He's like, I guess I'll have to ask. My boss, Tony Stark, if I can go home early today. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was like, so funny. He's like, he's maybe, like maybe they can they bring can Nova, in. Nova in. It's supposed to be his day off, but I yeah. guess maybe he'll come in. I, it's I so love funny. that. I yeah. love that. That in the middle of the fight, he'd have to ask his boss if he can leave. He's got like a family emergency. He has to go home. <laughs> it's totally. very funny. I don't know, uh, Vision. We kind of need you here, but yeah, uh, I guess yeah. if it's an emergency. So Virginia goes to this person's house who turns out to be Chris Kinski's dad. Now, Chris Kinski was a lab partner of Viv's and also the boy who Vin choked. Yeah. Now, Chris really likes Viv. And when she returned back to school after her three weeks away, he let her know. And Viv very much enjoyed that conversation and often replays it to herself. Yeah. So the story is that Chris's dad had gone to the Vision's house to introduce himself when he came upon Virginia burying the Grim Reaper in the yard and he started to record it. He's now very scared for his son's safety and tells Virginia if they'll just leave town, he won't tell anyone what he saw. Hmm. So I think when he went to the house, he was just going to like introduce himself to the new like family in town. But then his son got choked by Vin and he happened to have that recording. And I think now he's using it as blackmail. For I, sure. I think is yeah. what I what I gathered. For sure. Like, yeah, Vin choked him to like to the point where he passed out. So it was like it was pretty dangerous. Um, and I could see, you know, a uh, father being a little bit uh, upset at that uh, altercation. For sure, dude. And he's being very straightforward here, too. Like he's not. He, he, he doesn't want anyone to get hurt. He's not trying to hurt them. He doesn't want like anyone to get hurt. He just wants his son to be safe, right? He wants mm. them to leave so, so he can feel like his son's going to be safe. So it's, it's totally fair. Like I, I'm totally on board with like what this guy's uh, motivation is for doing this. Virginia seems to be pissed off though and says 
that they do belong there. And she starts to float towards this guy. And in self-defense, he pulls out his gun and starts shooting her. Son Chris is coming down the stairs to see what the commotion is and gets hit in the head and chest as the bullets traveled right through Virginia because they can phase, they can phase in and out. So she phased, bullets go right through her and the son Chris is dead. Again, dude, I'm totally shocked here. Totally. I'm totally shocked. This is a stomach drop moment. Um, It's... Yeah, we we haven't really we haven't really talked about their powers, but just quickly, like they can change their molecules um, to be to be able to phase through anything, but also they can make them as hard as they want. So they could be strong. They can deflect bullets. They can like turn it as hard as diamonds. Um, so they they have a wide range of, of what they can do. And so she was being shot at, so she phased, and the bullets went through her. And like it's so it's it. Yeah, it's so shocking to see this kid with a bullet hole or like in his head, bleeding from his head. And then the father to be blaming Virginia, where like, I mean, she phased so she wouldn't get shot. She didn't know the kid was behind her. Like, it's not her fault. It's just a horrible accident, you know, and it's it was such a uh, devastating moment. Yeah, it was gutting. Again, I'm 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 feeling such compassion here because another like innocent has been um you know harmed and in this yeah, case totally. killed for for yeah. no reason and by his own father i mean oh my goodness i know it's 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 absolutely horrible it's it's gutting so the dad is obviously like besides himself beside himself and he says he's going to kill virginia so she walks over to him and punches him out and yeah. she'll later say that she made her fist as hard as a diamond yeah. to hit him hard enough to put him in a coma that he'll never come out of. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's the that's the that's choice happening she made. so far in yeah. this book. Yeah, that's yeah. where we're at. It starts off so like all the whole family's smiling, let's just fit into the suburbs and so quickly so much stuff is going wrong and we're being told as this book goes along that things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. Do you think that's bad? It's going to get worse and it does. And it does <laughs> and it does. And mm. it's just, I don't even know how we can get worse from here. But uh, is it is not where I thought this book was going to go. Yeah, it's like, um, in a way, it's kind of how like one mistake can spiral into many or like how one lie. Yes. It just, yes. You, you, you don't just escape that one lie. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, that's a part of it. Okay, I don't want everybody to think right away that all this book is are a bunch of terrible events that are happening. Uh, we'll get there. And by the end, I think you'll realize what this book is you know, has to offer, but this is just what's happening so far. So stick with us. It doesn't take long for the police to show up to Vision's house and ask him to come downtown to answer some questions. And Vision here, he visually recalls the 37 times he saved the earth, which was very, very cool because we get a flashback panel to each of those 37 instances where he saved the earth. And like each one is a different supervillain. So I just thought that was a great way to bring supers into this book without having them actually be part of the storyline. Because like the more superheroes you see in one of these books, the more supervillains, um, I find the more fun it is. But this isn't that type of book. This isn't a fun book with lots of battles. But showing us 37 panels 
of each time he saved the earth, I thought was just a very, very smart way of doing it. And I mean, what a, what a grand thing to take on. Like, okay, artist and colorist, here's do 37 panels, each one with a different bad guy, uh, just because it'll make, it'll make this book a little bit better. It's really cool. I love this chapter so much. Um, he's telling a story as it's flashing to all these, like it's sort of a, a dual narrative thing going on where he's talking and answering questions, but at the same time in his head, he's going through every single one of the times that he saved the the world. And 37, you know, is a number that he keeps saying, um, which is kind of just a number. Yeah, okay, 37 sounds like a lot. But when he goes through every single time he saved the, the earth, 37 is a lot. Once we get to about nine or 10, we're like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of these. When you actually put names to the times that he saved the world. And I think this is something that Tom King does often where he actually tries to tries to make things that are sort of just numbers. He tries to make them real and he tries to like really get them to connect with you. And I think this was just very effective going through all these times that he saved, going through all these villains and all these villains are... Like, these are all times in canon that this happened. If you go back into the history, these are the times Vision saved the world. Like, I think Tom King is, like, a super nerd. Like, I think he just knows his stuff. He knows a lot about the Marvel continuity and the history. And we, you know, you and me are always like, whatever, continuity, just tell your story, doesn't matter. But I also do really appreciate when someone just knows a bunch of it and they bring that into the book. This book doesn't need continuity, but it also provides it for you. So, I, I, yeah, I, I'm just really, really impressed by this chapter. Um, and uh, Ultron's in there a couple times, too. Yeah, Tom King definitely knows his stuff. I mean, that's very, yeah. very clear. A lot of the Agatha Harkness stuff um, is just, mm-hmm. it's dead on. It's its its like deep cut. It's deep cut knowledge of vision story. So really, really well done. Yeah, and not even just thrown in there to be cool. But no, like, it's part of the story. It's so necessary. I, it's so we're cool. going to come to something later, another character yeah. later. But we're, it's just like, these characters he's bringing in are so necessary for the story. He must have constructed this in his head before he even began writing because y- you can't tell the story any other way without these cool pieces that he's he's got. Yeah, I just, I love how much he knows and and it's re- I just really appreciate it instead of just throwing in a name just for, you know, us fans to be like, oh, cool, I know who that is. No, it's like necessary. He knows who that is and he loves that character and that's why they're in this story. So I noticed for myself at this point in the book that I'm having a bit of a hard time understanding what Vision is even looking for out of this social experiment. I'm calling it a social experiment. I feel like there's a couple of different scenarios in this book that are starting to surface. I can't tell if what Vision wants is this family. He wants to have this family so he can continue to learn about humanity thus bettering his programming and making him a better superhero. Or if he's actually happier not getting the answers that he's looking for and in a way becoming more human. So one of the, one of the narratives in this book that we, we're not touching on because we can't is that he's trying to like figure, he's, he's trying to figure out answers by having the family. He's looking for answers. Okay. He's, um, he mentions calculations and, and, and different things. He's, he's created the family for a reason. And I'm struggling to understand 
what reason that is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so something that I do know that's happened sort of in the Marvel Universe is that sometimes he gets his um, humanity, emotions, whatever it is, sort of wiped and taken away. So for me, when I approached the story, I felt like this was one of those times. This is one of those times when he's trying to get it back. And it's it's been gone because he's very he's very robotic, I think, in this in this comic. So I feel like he's lost something and he's trying to get it back. I mean, he's lost his family with Scarlet Witch. So it makes a lot of sense why he's going to then make a family um, and try to get to that spot of happiness. So for me, there's an end goal and the end goal is to be happy again. And this is how he's trying to get there. Because if you make the family and you live in the suburbs, you get to happiness. So to me, he's following a strict path, like basically an algorithm to get himself to being happy again. He he doesn't care about happiness, though. He definitely cares about happiness. He doesn't care about happiness. He definitely cares about happiness. He was happy with Scarlet Witch, and that is now gone. I don't know if happiness is the right word, though, because it's all like, it's all about calculations for him. It's about... He wants to solve an equation by having this family. Yes. So he, for he's me, looking for an e- for me the result of that equation. I'm calling it happiness, but maybe it's humanity. Maybe it's being human. Um, I think that's a far better way to way to put it. Okay. So let's say the the answer to the equation is being human. I actually do want to touch on this um, thing since you brought it up. This is my favorite chapter in the book. I would like to touch on the P versus NP. Go ahead, man. Um, okay, so this, yeah, so this, it, like, I, uh, I'm a computer programmer. Um, I took computer science in university, and this is this was taught to us this this P versus NP idea, and this is sort of one of the headiest classes where it's really hard to wrap your head around what's going on. Um, I think Tom King was incredible in describing it in this book, but it's basically the idea um, that a P problem, and I'm talking about like the letter P, capital P, um, in computer science. That is a problem that a computer can solve. It has an algorithm to solve it. You give it the problem and it gets you the answer. An NP problem um, is one that a computer can't solve. It has no way to get to the answer. It just has to try random things until it has an answer. Because when it has an answer, it's easy for it to know that that's the answer, but there's no way it can get to it. Um, so this chapter sort of outlines these two different types of problems. And that's sort of what you were saying that, uh, if, if, if it's true that every single problem is a P problem, there's always a way to get to an answer, then a computer could know everything. But if there are these problems where a computer can't get to the answer, then it it can't know everything. So for me, I think vision is approaching being human, let's call it being human then. I, I like that too, because that fits into what I'm th- what I'm thinking. If he approaches being human as a P problem, a problem that he as a computer can solve. He has ways of doing it. He has an algorithm he can follow and he can get to being human at the end. And this book so far is just throwing a wrench in that at every turn. The family is having dinner when Vision hears a noise in the backyard. And he goes back to see that the neighbor's dog has dug up the remains of the Grim Reaper. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! This would be that's, that's this would be think. shit hitting the fan, Tim. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm. That's, that's how you describe my, my son. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the dog that digs it up is uh, killed uh, by a shock when it bites onto the Grim Reaper's sword. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, the neighbor comes by the next day looking for the dog. And Virginia lets him in. And the entire house is trashed once again. So they had fixed it after the first battle with the Grim Reaper. Now it's been trashed again. Even worse than that first battle, which is interesting. Yes. More angry family outbursts, perhaps. <laughs> I think so. I think this was a vision being a little bit upset. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I like that they don't show us. I we like don't know. Don't show, but the house I don't know. is trashed. Yeah. The house is trashed. Somebody had a major outburst. To be honest with you, I lean towards it not being vision. Because I, I feel like he's not. I feel like what these outbursts are. And Virginia ha- has a couple in the book. Viv yeah. has one herself later on. I feel like these are childish outbursts. Mm, so I feel okay, like they're yeah. coming from the newborns. I don't feel like Vision is the one smashing tables. I feel like he handles things a little bit different, but they don't show us, so we don't know. Yeah. Vision says he understands what Virginia had to do by burying the Grim Reaper. He understands. Mm-hmm. He only wishes she told him before he lied to the police. And he's worried that people still have doubts about him because he was created by Ultron. So he's trying to have like this picture perfect image because yeah. he's worried. He's worried, right? Like he was created by a supervillain. So people wonder, right? Maybe there's still some programming in there. Order 66. Hello? Definitely. Anybody? Tim. Tim. Vision. Yes. Was able to go against his programming to be like to be an avenger so why wouldn't he flip it back why people would just think right like if he can change it then what's stopping him changing it back and going back to being destructive and going after the avengers so you would definitely be afraid of him yeah that's a great point i like to look at it as maybe this was all part of the programming totally why not program him to go against ultron to join the avengers to get deep within the organization and then flip right that Great makes point. more yeah. sense actually than him ultron just creating this weapon yeah so we get to some narration here which i thought was something really really excellent and it says vision thought he could make a family it was merely a matter of calculation the right formula shortcut algorithm what a shock then to see the dog in the yard and the body in the dirt, Mm -hmm. to discover that it was all beyond him. All his efforts would likely never produce the answer he knew was there. That um, connects a lot with your P and NP that you just mentioned. So he's, he's making these calculations, and he's expecting certain outcomes, and they're not happening the way that he's thinking they're going to come, or the way he's predicting. Yeah. So... I think this is where some of the interesting things of this book are manifesting themselves is that he, he had an idea. He already had a preconceived notion in his head about how this whole family dynamic was going to go. And he's like, if I just put together this family unit, this is going to be the outcome. Right. And that makes sense. If you remove humanity from that equation. Totally. Right? Like if it's just a robotic family sitting there doing robotic things, yes, his 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 calculation works. I think his calculations are correct if you take that superhero aspect out. I think he did create a normal family. Um, the whole thing with the Grim Reaper only happens because they're superheroes. Right? So I think where the actual flaw has occurred is with Vision's idea of what the perfect family is. 
Yeah. Okay. He I, thinks the perfect family is just everything is like neat and tidy. That's not that's not true. Right? Correct. I think he yeah. I think he created what he wanted to create. Just his idea of what it should be is incorrect. Yeah, it, it is an extreme situation because they are um they are like visions a superhero. And so they have this supervillain enter the home and that is going to get in the way of them being uh, human. That's going to get in the way of them being a normal family. But I do think it's a reflection of if we want to get to that, you know, that good spot um, and we don't want anyone else to know about sort of the bad things that are happening. We'll sweep that under the rug as well. Um, no one's out there, you know, posting on Facebook, my son got an F in his test. Like we're, we're all putting out our good vibes. We're all putting that out into the world. So I see, I like that um, Virginia here, as soon as something happens where it's like, okay, this isn't going to get us to the end. Like she knows, she knows the end goal too. She knows the equation. She knows the getting to whatever that end goal is like that human, if that's it, um, being human, she knows that this is going to be a problem. Killing this superhero in the home isn't going to work. So she covers it up. She starts to hide it because she needs to get to that end goal. So I like Vision seeing this, seeing this body, realizing this hasn't worked out. Um, we, we, we were not going to get there because this has happened. And that's when he decides that being human is an NP problem. It is a problem that there is no algorithm to get to. It's just, you'll know the answer when you're there. But there's no easy steps to get there, is what I is what I get out of that chapter. I'm I'm on I'm on a similar page. I, I honestly I still don't understand the P and NP thing. So yeah. whenever you talk about it, I don't I'm not like a programmer. I don't really get it. But I, <laughs> I think I think we're on the same page here. Hmm. So I feel so confused. <laughs> it is it is it is super confusing. Not, not from just what you said, but yeah. just like yeah. as, as I'm processing everything in the book. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm still like thinking of things and figuring things out and trying to understand if I had the right take on the book. It's it's a it's a fascinating book. It's well, very it's interesting. fascinating. That's how this one goes, and we are right in the middle. Like so, I love that this sort of revelation happens right in the middle of the book. Um, right. So now we kind of have we get a lot more of this, uh, at least this android type thinking, this computer type thinking, right in the middle. So then when we are going to get into the second half, we have a lot to digest. Like all these conversations could have happened if we were reading month to month, halfway through the book. Right. And then we just get all these theories in our mind and like continue on to the end. I think it's just really smart to drop it right here in the middle. So vision brings home a surprise for the kids. It's a new synthesoid dog, Sparky dog. Yes. Yes. Sparky dog. At this point, vision realizes his family is the most important thing to him. Uh, I don't think this is an experiment any, anymore for him. It's his life. It's like become his new life. Yes. Agreed. And um, immediately after this, we see Agatha Harkness in front of the Avengers. And she says, Vision will now do anything and everything to find happiness with his wife and children. He'll kill you and he'll kill your families. He will raise the world. So um, that's not great news. Also, um, Agatha mentions happiness here. So I was wrong. I was incorrect that uh, happiness is a word that's being thrown around here. So I I apologize for for that, for saying that that was not not part of it. Tim, no problem. (laughs) And Uh, I just go, you can go ahead. No, you go ahead because I'm going to get back. I'm going to get into the next. uh, Okay, I'm just going to wrap. I'm just going to. Yeah, I'm just going to wrap this up. um, This section sort of up. So this doesn't really sound like a, a super bad thing. Vision 
loving his family, right? And wanting to do anything for his family. That's sort of, he's reached a good conclusion, right? He, he wanted to put up the smoke screen about being normal and fitting in. And that was what he wanted to present. And he's realized that's not what you can present. Maybe what's more important is just getting tight with your family and loving your family. I love that. I, I like that he gets to this point. But if you think about like you or me, we'll do anything to protect our family. Well, we're not super, super powerful. You know, we can't phase through things. We can't make our skin turn to diamond and punch somebody to death. Like, this is why it is so dangerous. Because now he's decided that his family is number one. And for somebody so powerful, that could be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Definitely very dangerous. Yeah, because he wants yeah. to protect his family at all costs, right? Exactly. Like you and me, it's not a big deal. Like we want to protect our family at all costs, but when it's one of the most powerful beings in the universe, that's a problem. Look, I feel like this this story could be told without the whole superhero aspect. And it's a very, very excellent uh, graphic novel that would do yeah. very well. Like putting it in an envelope with these superheroes, you're able to, I think, tell like a grander story that's more accepted because probably more people will, will read it because of, you know, it's a Marvel story with Vision as like the, the lead character. It's just, it hits a broader totally. audience, but strip away the superhero. What you've got here is a very serious, um, you know, heartfelt story. Yeah. And we've talked about before, like these movies and comics and stuff creating, you know, like this safe space to experience these emotions, yes. these extreme emotions. And I think you're right. I think throwing superheroes into this whole thing just makes it even feel more safe. You know, it's yeah. more like, okay, I'm just reading a comic book right now. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's just genius that it's with these these superheroes. Great point. So we get a great flashback here to Vision and the Scarlet Witch when they were younger and falling in love. They get married. Uh, Wanda creates children for them. Vision doesn't understand why they'd want the children, though, because he says they aren't real. Like Wanda created them. They're not real. Mm -hmm. yeah. She gets very offended and screams at him that he's not real. Which is a very, a very valid point in a way. <laughs> now, their relationship continues to deteriorate over the years. And Vision ends up at one point dying and being reborn as a new Vision. And Wanda feels that this new Vision is far colder than the old one. And they eventually split up. But Wanda gifts Vision with her brain patterns so that Vision can make someone like her that isn't her. And mm -hmm. that's how Virginia gets made is through Wanda's brain patterns. Yeah, he made his new wife out of his ex-wife's brain patterns. Right. And then the children, Viv and Vin, are made out of a combination of Vision and Virginia's brain patterns. So Yeah. Another very interesting part here where... They introduce us to Victor Mancha. Yes. And this is, this guy was new to me. I didn't know of him, but he's the son of Ultron and the brother of Vision. Now he's come to stay with the family for the winter. So what we learn fairly quickly is that Victor's whole purpose is to infiltrate the family on behalf of the Avengers to learn what he can about possibly what's happened with some of these murders. Vin walks in on Victor, communicating with the Avengers, and Victor grabs a hold of Vin in an electric field, which is clearly hurting him. Yeah. Vin, again here, like we mentioned before, Vin is calling out for mother over and over and over again. I'm 
feeling pain here as he's feeling totally. pain. I'm just like, I'm, yeah. I'm the character development in this book has been so tight that I'm so invested in this family. Like I'm just yeah. so invested on in everything that's going on with them. I'm on their side with everything they do. I'm on Virginia's side, burying the Grim Reaper. I'm on her side, you know, with, with all these things that she's doing to protect the family unit. Um, I want his pain to stop here. And yeah. I feel like it's very difficult to be, to be reading at this point. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm totally with you that this, like the whole Virginia, like be, she is so basically depressed this whole book and you just feel for your heart goes out for every, every single like panel she's in every page and the kids too, like they, they saw their mom murder somebody and like, that's affecting them. Like, uh, Vin has been like obsessed with Shakespeare and like death. And it's just, you, you really feel for these characters in this moment. And you're not with like, you want Victor to stop this. You want like him to just give this up. He is the bad guy to us right now, even though this family has done some things. Um, he is definitely the bad guy. And I love this Victor being in the story. Like he's from runaways. I've read runaways. That's the only thing I've seen him in. Um, he might've, you know, been sprinkled into some other stories, but this is just another moment where it's like, yeah, you pluck Victor, you change some things up where he, like, uh, Tom King tells basically kind of a, a drug addiction story that was happening with Victor back in runaways. So he adds a little bit to that story to make his story matter more, like to, to make it, uh, like give it some depth in this story. And it's just, it's so brilliant to me that he can, do this and it's not just he's plucking victor because someone like me who ran red runaways is like yeah victor it's he's bringing victor into the story because victor is crucial to this story and this like event that's happening right now is heartbreaking because of like all that it, it like it adds to all that all, all that bringing victor in all that stuff that we've talked about with vin this moment is so heartbreaking because of everything together mm -hmm. yeah he, uh, tom king just ties everything together everybody who's in this book is there for a reason uh this is 12 issues i challenge you to show me the page that could be removed out of these 12 issues good good luck everything yeah. everything matters yeah so victor unfortunately is unable to control his power and accidentally kills finn and virginia and vision find them and Vision holds the lifeless body of Vin in his arms. Yeah. Now, Dean, a nice thing happened for me here. And that was after, um, after every issue of this comic, there's a letters page that I always skipped. But for some reason, I stopped on the, the this issue's letters page. Oh, cool. Uh, to be honest with you, I think I stopped because I was trying to process what I just read. You needed I a breather. Like, I needed a breather. Yeah. And I happened to notice that the very first entry on this letters page was a note from Tom King. Uh, I read it and it went, uh, it went like this. Killing Vin was really hard to write. Like my stomach and head hurt as I did it. And I had to walk away from the computer, force myself to go back and just get it done. Which is odd because Vin didn't exist before I wrote him. And Gabrielle and Jordy drew him. He was just an errant thought that I thought might be cool. I mean, I googled V names to name him. That's how not real he is. His name came from a random link I probably couldn't find again. So then why? Why does fictionally killing a fictional character create real pain? 
I honestly don't know. Maybe I'll write about that next time. Dude. Dude, I got chills over here, man. I know, man. It's like this, I read this that at such, I read it at such a perfect moment because yeah. this whole I, I tried not to touch on it too much earlier um, because I wanted I wanted to say this part, but these characters that we're reading that are not real, I'm having such such reaction to them in pain and them suffering. Not only are they characters in a book, but they're robots in a book. Right? Why do I care about these these characters? Why do I feel for them? I don't know. And it's nice to know that neither does Tom King, the guy who's writing them, right? Like we don't it's just this weird thing, right? It it probably has to do with just human compassion. Like you don't want to see someone suffering. Um I I really feel like the people so far who have suffered have been children, uh very very innocent. They they don't mm-hmm. deserve it. They don't know what's like they don't, they've barely experienced life yet. So it's hard yeah. to see that type of thing happen. But I feel very lucky just to have like landed on that letters page and to have read that. I think it just, it was a neat thing. Totally. I didn't read any of the letters. I wish I did. I wish I read that one. I almost want to, I like, I want to go back and read all the letters now just to see uh, what Tom King has to say in all of them because uh, a guy's amazing. Like that, that is so cool that the, you know, that he wrote that. And he also doesn't quite know why he would care so much. And he's the one who wrote the character. Why do we care so much? I, yeah, you just assume that they always have like this, like this grand vision and, um, it's just this, such a tightness thing in their head. Yeah. Uh, but, but it wasn't right. Like he's, you know, just things get, it's almost like these things as they're being developed, they just take on a life of their own, right? Like they just become their own entity in a way. So, uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. So vision calculates that this act done by Victor was unjust. Mm-hmm. And as such, it seems obvious that he must avenge, but he's having trouble bringing himself to do it. He wants to try and he wants to kill his brother, right? But that's yeah. tough. And now he's repeating his words for the first time in this book. We see now that the Avengers have Vision, Virginia, Viv, and Sparky Dog on house arrest. Vision replays a recording of his son and officially snaps. Oh, yeah, totally. And and that recording is so heartbreaking. It's, it's be- gutting. It's gutting because he's not paying attention to his son at all, right. who is just trying to, I think he's reciting Shakespeare or something. And Vision's like, could you stop? I have to work. Like, I have things that I have to do. And so that's what makes him snap. He's like, you know, this is such a bad moment. And now I can't have any more moments. Like, they're all gone. I can't even make up for it. And right. like you said, I'm so glad you you brought up that we're so on their side in this book because... I'm at this point, I'm like, do it, Vision. Let's go. Let's get some justice because you know what? You've been wronged. So you go there. <laughs> Even though the book's telling us, no, don't do this. If he does this, things are going to go bad. I'm like, no, you know what? Do it. It's so weird how we are so on their side. Yeah, that's that's the next thing I wanted to say. Exactly that is that I'm getting really excited here. I'm yeah. getting really excited to see this breaking point between Vision, the superhero, and yeah. Vision, the father and family man. And he's snapped and he's choosing family. So Vision suits up in his costume and he walks out the front door, breaking through the barrier on the house. And he's off to see Victor, who's in prison. 
when he gets there, I think he's in prison. Yeah, he's in prison. When he gets there, the Avengers are waiting and we get some good old fashioned superhero on superhero action. It's great. It's so, so good. There's so much action in this issue. So we head back home to Virginia and Viv and they are starting to lose it as well. Like this, this home family life situation is, is quickly starting to deteriorate. Yeah. They're having to process the loss of Vin. And they also realize that the authorities are probably going to be coming pretty soon and like shut, shut them down, shut their programs mm-hmm. down. Virginia starts beating up Sparky Dog. And I actually thought this was pretty funny. <laughs> like, I just figured she she just got, she went so far, she snapped yeah. and just decided to beat up the dog. She's got it against the wall and she's punching it in the face. Yeah. Um, but we see why she did it. And she said she had been exploring the depths of her preloaded memories and found fragments of thought that didn't belong to her. One of which was the secret of the Everbloom of Mount Wondergore. So she's picked up on some of Scarlet Witch's actual memories that were supposed right. to be not part of the brainwave pattern. Yeah. We see inside this beat up and dead dog's, mechanical dog, by the way, mechanical dog's stomach, and it had eaten one of the leaves of the Everbloom. Mm-hmm. Virginia takes a petal from the leaf out of the stomach and eats it herself. That is so, so cool, dude. I mean, it's so cool that we already know. Like you you mentioned, if you consume it correctly, so first it has to be eaten out of hunger. The dog Mm -hmm. eats it out of hunger. Then Virginia eats it after murder. Yeah. Right? A murder occurred. Like the murder of Vin occurred. Oh, I was thinking it's because she killed the dog. Oh, yeah. That's a better point, actually. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Yeah, she killed the dog. Yeah, she murdered the dog. Yeah, you're right. Uh, So then she eats it. Yeah. Guess what's going to come next? She should be able to see the future. She's going to know. Yeah, she's going to know how things turn out. Yes, we already know that Agatha did the same thing and saw the future. She saw Vision killing the Avengers. She saw him killing their families. She saw him destroying the world. Yeah. So what's Virginia going to see? The same thing. I feel like we're still on that path. (laughs) Vision is about to go in to get Victor when Scarlet Witch shows up with uh, the ghost of Agatha. And Scarlet tries to appeal to Vision, but he stops her just like he stopped all the Avengers. So he he wipes out that Avenger team. He just, I guess they're not ready for it. Like, He's their buddy, right? They're not really ready to fight, but he's ready to fight. So I think he he's able to wipe them out pretty quick because they don't really want to fight him, right? Well, yeah, but I also think this sort of spotlights how powerful Vision is. Because if you think if he can phase through anything coming at him and he can turn himself as hard as he needs to, like a diamond to punch with such force, I mean, how could you ever be beaten? Like Hulk can yeah. be so strong and punch you, but if he can't hit you, he's nothing. You can defeat him quickly. Right. So it, I, I think this was such a great showcase of how powerful Vision is because he just wiped the floor with these Avengers. And then I think this sort of quieter moment, not on the battle, not in the big battle, this quieter moment, Scarlet Witch comes up to him and he takes her out. And that is the moment where we know, 
He is going to do anything, he's gonna absolutely do anything for his family. He's killing Victor and he's he's like, he is never going to change his mind because Scarlet Witch is who he's been thinking about so much in this book. But that doesn't matter anymore. What matters is his family, his past, his, his feelings for her don't matter. All he wants to do is avenge his son's death and she gets it. Like he, he takes her out. It's so, it's such a quiet, but another moment where I was like, oh man, that hurts. It was a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now Agatha is upset, very upset, but unable to do anything and just floats off. Yeah. Now Vision finds Victor and Victor understands why Vision is doing what he's doing. He's, he's oh, yeah. accepted it. We see a hand go through Victor's chest. But it's Virginia's hand that rips out Victor's mechanical heart. And this is her way of repairing the damage she's done. Yeah. Virginia calls the police and explains what she's done. Most of it's true, but she twists some things to make Vision appear innocent in, right. in, in all of this. She then drinks from the flying water vase of Zen La, and the liquid starts to corrode her nerve receptors, and she is dying. Yeah. And dude, I teared up at this point. Of course. Like, I don't remember what happened the first time I read it. Probably bald first time. Yeah. Second time, I definitely, I was, I had tears in my eyes. Uh, th dude, this book is crushing. If you read the words alone, it will crush you. If you look at the art alone. Yeah. Like at this end portion, it will crush you. It's just this, you get these two crushing things together. You know, good luck. Good luck, everybody. This is the final chapter. And the big, big battle and all the action took place in the second last chapter. It took place in the 11th issue. And now the 12th issue, we get this quiet moment. Right. We have, this is where I was saying Jordi Blair is so crucial on this because it's, we're in, we're in the Vision's home and Virginia is doing all this with sort of like the shades drawn, the yeah. lights off. So it's so dark and it just dark. feels so quiet and such a like personal moment that she's doing this in. And it, to have all this action be the 11th issue it's perfect. and then have all this quiet, yes, this quiet reflection be the 12th is so perfect. It's just such a great way to tell this story. We get to come down from that action and yeah. we get to feel all it's telling an emotional story. And this 12th issue allows us to feel those emotions instead of just ending on this big high battle and then being like, now what? I love that we have this concluding chapter where we have all this emotional stuff happening. Yeah, definitely. I felt that same way reading it. Yeah. Now, Virginia says she looked into the future and saw Vision destroy the future for her and the kids. He saved the world 37 times. She saved it once. And before she can finish what she's saying, she dies. Yeah. So when the after... I Go ahead. I just wanted to bring up the part of the conversation because I think it was really, really strong and powerful where he used a joke that he told earlier to have a really, really sweet moment um, yeah. of Vision telling her that it was kind of her to do that. Um, One of yeah. the reasons, the reason she cried actually at the very beginning was this conversation they had, right? Yeah, he was basically just trying to tell her how humans interact and how to do that better. And in this case, he brought that back to have a really sweet moment with her. And so I just, I just thought it was really, really nice. That's what like brought tears to my eyes was him telling her that she did a kind thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, 
really again really smart like yeah to have that so early on in the book and then to bring that back at this moment is just like bah, it's great so in the aftermath of all this we see wanda gives viv a new sparky dog and vision viv and sparky dog continue with their normal lives vision still has virginia's body and he once in a while turns it on to listen to a recording of her singing. Is that what happened there? Yeah. I thought he was I thought he was working on her to bring her back. No, I don't think so. I think he wanted to listen to her sing. I like your ending way better than what I thought it was. Well, I mean the 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 she drank the water, destroyed her insides. Like she can't be brought back. Yeah. But what same way when 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 Vin died and he was able to play a recording of Vin and listen to like Vin talking. That's what he was doing with Virginia is he was listening to her like sing or something. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. That's great. Yeah. And that's the end. Yeah. Dude, when this was done, like I literally just sat there trying to process totally what I had just taken in. Uh, it's, this is for sure. One of the best stories I've ever read. I would love to see this as a movie. I think it would just crush. It would be so incredible. It's it's such a beautiful story. Um, yeah, I just feel like it really matters. Like you can really connect with it, even though it's a book about robots. You can connect with it in like the most human way, and and it was written that way on purpose. So, yeah, it's just special, and you can tell as you're reading it. I think you can tell from issue one that this is going to be something much different than you thought it was when you picked up the comic and were like, oh, Vision in the suburbs with a family, cool, that'll be fun. Um, it's 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 hard hitting it's heavy it's it's so good it'll make you think it's it's the my sort of my favorite type of um comic to read is ones that i'm gonna put down after like you said and just sit there and think when i finished i I put it down i didn't turn on the tv i didn't you know fire up some music i just i just put it down beside me and i just sat in a chair and thought about what i just read um it's it's one of those books you reflect on and that's the type of book I like. Like this, this book is totally for me. I love it. I'm going to revisit it, you know, every year, every two years, because it's such a great story. And I think there's lots to uncover. We uncovered a bunch of stuff as we were talking here. You had a different side and than I had. And I think we, you know, met in the middle or we got new takes from each other. And I, I think that's how you got to go about it. You got to talk to, get your friends to read it, talk to them about it. And there's lots to discover here. I had previously gone on record saying I think two issues is the best arc. <laughs> no, 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 dude, 10, 10, 12 issues. When yeah. you do it this tight. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, there's nothing that doesn't belong in this book. When you do a book this tight over 10 to 12 issues, you can tell such an epic story that by the time you get to the end of it, you're just so invested in everything. It's it's an experience, you know. It's it's a far greater greater experience than reading the two issues. So two issues yeah. is great because you can t- you can tell a really tight story. Five issues is great. You can tell a really tight story. Ten to twelve, man. If it's if you got everything, you know, if you've got everything you need in there, no fluff. My goodness, like if if your story demands that that much, you know, that many issues, then holy smokes, is it going to be good? Yeah, I think it just comes back to something you said in the podcast, not one wasted page. If your story has not one wasted page, doesn't matter how long it is. True. All right, let's get to what if. 
So, Dean, I want to know, what if you replace Virginia with Wanda? Does that change anything? Does the story become more intense, less intense, stay the same? What does that look like for you? Um, good question. Uh, first thought is it's very similar because um, Virginia is working off of Wanda's brain waves. So I, I think Wanda is, uh, or Virginia is very similar to what Wanda would be like in this case. Wanda in the past created children. Um, Vision was telling her those children are fake, which I think is very interesting that his next step after that is to create his own children, which are fake. Um, so I think I think there would be a little bit of a different dynamic where Virginia in this book is I think she really wants to get to that goal that Vision does. And so that's why she's covering things up in this book, because she thinks that'll affect this end goal that Vision wants to get to. So she's she's not telling him the full truth and trying to cover up these, you know, killing Grim Reaper. Um, I don't know if things play similarly with Wanda. I feel like they don't. Um, I think maybe it becomes more about the artificial life he's creating because she did that in the past and he gave her grief about it. So I feel like the book becomes more about that, more about what is real, you know, what is it to be real? And they'll, I think in that case, they would dig more into why would these kids be fake? Why are they fake? Just because we created them. Um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. I think it would have been different. I actually think it would have been more impactful with with Wanda because Wanda's a human character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think while you're giving these uh, synthesoids humanity, I think someone who is already a human and already has that, I think these things hit a little bit more where uh, as, as you're not trying to learn them, you already understand what all these things mean. But I don't know. Maybe at the same time, it works better with someone who doesn't have humanity. So I, there's definitely no right answer to this one, but... Yeah, I think what's interesting about it being Virginia based off of Wanda's brainwaves is that, um, you know, they make kids based off their brainwaves and the kids are their own kids. You know, those Viv and Vin are their own people. So just because you're made off of Wanda's brainwaves doesn't mean you are Wanda. So it is still Virginia. She just has Wanda's memories, which is really weird for your wife to have memories of you and your ex-wife together. Like, I feel like that feeds into Virginia's sort of depression throughout the book is that she can't reach that she can't reach that stage with Vision that she's seen in her memories from Wanda and that like depresses her. She can't quite get to that level with him. And he mentions in the book that too. Like you can tell that he can't quite get that type of um, closeness with her that he had with Wanda. So I find that, um, you know, a crucial aspect for her her depression in the book. So I, I do like that, um, that part of it. So it's, it's just a different story with Wanda, but I think, I'm with you that it is a story that can be told, you know, just as, just as well. Yeah. Cool. All right, Dean. Well, thank you for joining this week. Yeah, man. And thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. La la la.
I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.